Cohalette by Madison Scott Clary. R.J. Brewster, 2112. If I dream, am I no longer myself? Ade did not pace the streets of London, did not open the drapes to see if the streets were full of people or desolate and empty, did not listen for the sounds of the city, a did not step from her flat, did not, in fact, leave the spot where he knelt on the floor for more than half an hour for days and days, did not do anything except stroke Priscilla when she came and walked by her knees. I still have needs, a murmured to the cat, who only slow blinked at him. If I dream, is that not so? The words were automatic. A opened her muzzle, and they came forth in a steady cadence. A memory. R.J. and Sasha, sitting on the edge of a stage during a break in rehearsals. The play, words of Dickinson. A five-minute break. R.J.'s tablet showing not the usual stage diagram with mic placement and notes, but a white screen. Sasha, laughing as R.J. began writing, eyes closed, automatic writing, drivel and nonsense, something to giggle over with best friends. Eyes closed. He could feel the soundscape of the room around him change, and he knew that he must now be kneeling on the stage in school. Wait. He shook her head, tall ears bowing. He opened her eyes and was back in her flat. What lives we lead, we lead in memory, he thought, then smiled. My mind should be reeling. I should be feeling overwhelmed and overflowing. Ah, well. He stood once more, rubbing at her knees and wincing at the pins and needles rushing over her paws. Could I will the discomfort away? Perhaps. Could I even feel discomfort? Could I dream it? Perhaps. Not now. A padded to the kitchen and opened the cupboard in which the tea must be stored and, yes, pulled out a tea bag, setting it in her favorite mug. It held the kettle beneath the faucet from whence the water should come, and, yes, filled the kettle halfway full and set it on the counter once more. A memory. R.J. and Avon. Avon, who had let R.J. crash on his couch when they had first reached London. R.J. and Avon at a small café. Avon promising an authentic cream tea and then immediately launching into a tirade against authenticity. R.J. laughing. Avon watching Hawkeye to see whether R.J. would spread her clotted cream on the scone first or instead reach for the jam. Avon nodding approvingly at the choice. The water came quickly to a boil. After pouring it into the mug, Aude hiked himself up onto the counter by the edge of the sink and let her tail dangle into it. It would get wet, but that's just what happens with sinks. You seem kind of frozen, kind of stuck in a few ways. I am stuck, yes, informed Priscilla. I'm stuck with will and with memory and with time, as much time as I need. The cat purred. Ade laughed and lifted her mug, too hot to drink but comforting to hold. They felt the comfort in memory. A memory. R.J. waking a few days. Weeks? R.J. waking some time ago, years and years ago, and groggily making a pot of tea. R.J. sipping one mug of tea while watching the traffic. R.J. sipping a second mug of tea while making rice. R.J. starting a third mug of tea before sitting down at a rig and getting lost in research. 
RJ digging and digging and digging through cards, through tables, through numbers and words and data. RJ frowning at a mass of voting records. RJ downing a cold mug of tea. The tea was cool enough to drink now, and so Aude did. And when they had half finished the tea, the fox slid from her perch on the counter and padded over to her rig. Frowned. Why bother with such a thing? Instead, in its place should be a small, white room, extending past the boundaries of her flat. And there it was. And when A would step into that room, A would cease to be a fox, but instead become fully immersed in memory, manipulating it with the same ease with which A had manipulated the acoustic space of the theater. And A did. And when A might think about what memories A had, A would find there, whole and uncorrupted, all of the information A had been prowling through on Cicero's disappearance. No riddles to solve, no tricks, no mics, no paper. A would be able to expand across that sense that passed for a sight in a fully immersive sim the entirety of the data. And A could. Aude dreamt. Dreamt of work. Dreamt of the table of Cicero's DDR votes, dreamt that it rotated in beautiful precision along any axis he wished. Dreamt of the other cards in the deck, of recorded conversations and notes and last connected times. He dreamt her way through all the data packed into the deck of V cards Sasha had given him so very, very long ago. He kept dreaming. He dreamt of the Crown Pub, dreamt of himself sitting at a booth with Sasha, Dreamt of him talking about Cicero with her. Dreamt of how he had poked her claw against the surface of the table in the sim, then rubbed at it with a pad, despite the fact that the sim would not allow the table to be dented. Axiom. When any sufficiently large group of furries converge in one place, they will spontaneously generate a bar to hang out at. A bar, a cafe, a park, a plaza. Thus, in her dream of so many furries, the table was there. Perfect. The table, the booth, the whole pub. Not the noise, not the people, but I dreamt in that fully immersive perception of everything way of the entire pub, of the entire sim, dreamt of the precise construction of it down to the parametric equations that defined the curves of the vinyl stool cushions, dreamt of that area behind the bar, unreachable by patrons, but behind which puttered the staff AI's avs. It was all there. The entire thing, the entire sim, all the way out to its boundary fence and the subtle magic of the fake street beyond, all cached in her exo, in her memory. A dreamt of her home sim, the simple bed, the simple dresser, the logic behind the commands that let him select items and clothing to equip himself, the teaport pad, all there. And a dreamt of Sasha, a dreamt of everything about her. The subtle scent of dandelions and the two straight stripes that traveled over her muzzle, head, and then down her back. The equations that drove her tail. Her very voice. You seem kind of frozen, kind of stuck, in a few ways, she said. She was all there, all of her avatar. What I remembered of their final conversation could be played out from start to finish between skunk and fox in perfect detail. Detail that could not be anything other than perfect. Detail that had to be precise. Detail that had to be perfect because her exo had cached the skunk's av, just as it had cached air flat and the crown pub. But she was not all there. She was not there at all. Her avatar was a hollow shell that Aude could make parrot her lines. It was a puppet 
It was a sensory representation without context, a sign without an object, signifier without the signified. Ade was in a hall of mirrors that allowed no one but himself. She was not there, and she could not be there because Ade was lost, and when one is lost, one is alone in ways more fundamental than could be dreamt of in any solipsist's philosophy. What lives we lead, we lead in memory, and the end of memory lies beneath the roots. He could not forget, for memory ends at the teeth of death and is wholly inaccessible to the living, because the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and he could not cry, thus immersed. You've been listening to Kohalet by Madison Scott Clary. Book One of the Post-Self Trilogy Read by the author Kohalet and this podcast are released under a Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License Music by Chad Crouch Released under a Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution Non-Commercial License Kohalet is available as a paperback and ebook at Kohalet .makyo.inc. That's Q-O-H-E-L-E-T-H dot M-A-K-Y-O dot I-N-K. If you'd like to support more of my writing, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash makyo. That's patreon.com slash M-A-K-Y-O. Thanks for listening. <laughs>